0: hello everybody welcome to the scottish rugby podcast brought to you by the scottish rugby blog i am Cammy black we are for those watching live we're slightly delayed tonight um i had to do a, a minor hand over here uh, with my wife because i've been i've, had the, I've been uh, sorting the kids out for bedtime she said i think one of them's got a temperature um and i said oh go and check go and check but then i remembered i'd washed his hair before bed so it wasn't uh <laughs> wasn't that he's sweating away at temperature um so anyway here we are hello um i'm joined this evening we've got Ian here with us good evening ian
1: hello just uh switching off the the scotland argentina rewatch there
0: I'm just oh. getting get the getting the analysis in just uh, also, the you know,
1: making the lighting consistent because yeah. obviously for the podcast
2: folks the lighting around here is very, very uh, important
0: very important we've got johnny mcginty good evening johnny
2: Hello, good evening. That puts Ian on one and a half more watches of Argentina than me. So,
0: (laughs) I'm Craig Manson. Good evening, Craig.
3: Good evening. How are we doing?
0: Um, So if you are, as Ian said, if you're watching us live, we're now on YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can get your audio podcasts as well. You can also sign up to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Scottish rugby podcast and from £3 a month you can get access to the bonus weekly podcast that we put out after the main one where we sometimes go a little bit in more in depth into the topics we've covered and we also do our hands in the ruck as well and sometimes have long drawn-out conversations about 1980s and 1990s kids cartoons.
2: Oh that reminds me I misled you slightly it's the 10th of August not the 7th for the new season. Of Bluey. For Bluey I'm really pleased. 72 you hours more to wait.
0: We were on holiday that week, so I'm going to have to make sure I take the fire stick with me so I can watch it. Do you think they're cool. going to do it like um, kind of they do with they did with um, the Obi Wan Kenobi thing, where it's like one episode a week of Bluey?
2: I hope not. Imagine how upset we that would
0: drag be. it out.
2: We've decided we're going to do a rewatch of all of them before it starts. Oh, that's 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 the way to do it before the new series I finished Obi Wan
1: yesterday. It was no, it excellent, was it? wasn't it? It's not as how good did... as Bluey. I don't know. I've still not watched it. I've seen Bluey. I know it's been praised to the help, but it's uh, yeah, it's on my watch list.
0: Yeah, better than Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi was better than a lot of the more recent Star Wars stuff. Just so rings around about. We might get it. Let's get into that in the uh, Patreon pod. <laughs> 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 Ian and the interviews on Obi Wan Kenobi. Anyway, um, we've got a bit to get through uh, tonight. Um, we are starting with um, it was kind of news that came out today um about the Gloucester, the rugby player whose name escapes me uh, cuz it's just fresh it's ed, um, ed Slater. Ed later it's who's been diagnosed with motor neuron disease which comes back off the back of ryan jones from welsh international saying that he has been diagnosed with early onset dementia i think he only ryan jones only retired about two or three seasons ago
1: he's 42 years old i believe
2: yeah yeah so yeah and he played he played quite retired. Um, didn't play for he retired from Wales quite a long time ago, but he stayed in Club. Yeah. For
0: a while. So it's, it's another played. um I don't know, it's the Ed Slater one is I guess slightly different because there has been um we've seen cases of motor neuron disease in rugby. You've got obviously Doddy Weir. And I don't think there is yet scientific evidence to suggest there's a direct link between motor neuron disease and head in, head injuries or brain injuries. But there is an indication that that might actually be the case. There is evidence that CTE and early onset dementia is a result of rugby. But it's, it's another kind of, I, I don't know, Johnny, another kind of nail in the coffin for rugby as we know it, I guess. And it's we've talked I mean we've talked about this before on, on the podcast and it kind of feels like we need to talk about it again. But we've seen some of the issues over the summer with high tackles and officiating and, and it's not it's not as much as some people would want to go, and go away, it's not going to go away.
2: No. Um yeah what there is is now I need to try and get this right and I'm probably not gonna but there is a couple of early studies that suggest that repeated concussive impacts can damage um, sort of tip of your spine, base of your brainstem, uh, and that can be a contributing factor to motor neuron disease. Um, again, it's like a couple of studies that they're saying that this is a thing that might that might be a thing. So I don't think it's possible to say. Oh, rugby players are getting more and more neurodegenerative disease because of this, um, but there's certainly a the number of or a, a handful of high-profile cases at the minute, and um, yeah, the last couple of weeks there have been some not great examples of how we're looking after head injuries. Unfortunately, still, I think and something needs to change.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing is, Craig. The, you know, this isn't like you know football, and they're saying all the guys that played in the 60s and 70s with the You know the balls that weighed a ton are all getting concussion now. But actually, you know the balls are all lighter nowadays, and it's a bit different. These are guys that playing effectively now, or have played very recently when the concussion was taken much more seriously, and they had the protocols in place. Mm -hmm. So it it's not that you know it's hard being hard for the naysayers. I think to say that oh this is this is an old issue that's and we've sorted everything now. Because clear, clearly there is the problem is very real and it's something that needs to be dealt with immediately.
3: Yeah, because it's we're still not dealing with it properly. Um, we're sitting here discussing another um, another dementia case that's linked with rugby um, and another MND case that, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's linked with rugby, but it, there's, there's indicators there. Um, and we're still saying that, still having an argument on Twitter, still having the referees having a discussion about Andrew Porter um, not getting a red card against uh, when he's hit against, um, oh, the big tall black, um, R- Rudy Um And we're saying that, oh, he's a bigger lad that went against a smaller lad. So it's obviously, um, it, it's, 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 he was giving way, so you know there's no problem with it, or there's a yellow. It's a yellow card instead of red, and it's like, well, hang on a minute, you know the 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 hit shot of his cheekbone if I, if I remember correctly, and he's out completely. That's a big hit. Nothing, you know, he's you know. So why why are we having this discussion? We're trying to get people to tackle though We can't turn around and say, say um uh, any of the coaches, well, you know, you need to get them to tackle lower. But you know what? If they don't, it's okay. Um, you'll get a yellow card because you can use yellow cards tactically. So it, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. It needs to. And and don't I don't want to hear about the game going soft because we're now at this situation where people have been affected over many many years. But these guys are these guys are and you know these guys are playing now and they're being into they're, they're being ups, um they're being influenced now, and we need to sort this out.
1: This I mean, what I find, we'll go on then, yeah. Sorry. What I find particularly ridiculous about the Porter um, sighting decision is, like you said, you know, he's a smaller man and he's, he's absorbing the tackle. Well, surely it's a lot more difficult for a smaller man to break a taller man's cheekbone, unless he's ridiculously high in his starting position. Which he was, and there was this, like, one of the mitigating factors was, oh, yeah, but he's just turned round. Uh, but Ritalik wasn't dipping. it was far too high through um, mm. his certain position. I don't think, I think he had time to lower, I think he was too high to start with. Uh, you can then turn around and argue, you know, oh, you know we'll get the classic, ah, oh, but you've never had to make that split second decision on the pitch. Well, no, but they're paid to do that, and they have a duty of care to their fellow professionals, and I think he did have time to adjust. He did have time to get himself properly positionally set, and he's cracked Rosie Ritalik's cheek. Um, What were you about to say, Cammy?
0: Well, I was going to say, one of the, I don't think this is in direct response to kind of concussion as such, but one of the proposals that seems to be banded around World Rugby at the minute is to have centrally pooled, employed referees. As though that's going to make a difference because essentially we've got that, and since we have got that in the URC, I Suppose they're essentially pulled to the unions, but I, I don't think professional refereeing helps to a degree because they've got time to focus on the refereeing. But I don't think it. I think until player behaviour changes, you can't blame the referees because the referees are only officiating what's in front of them. It's it's a coaching issue, and as you said, Craig, you know that people will play the system because that's how rugby works. You play, you know, you, you find the, the grey areas in the rules, which is part of why the game's so fascinating because you know, people do play around with the rules and try and bend them. But when it comes to head injuries, I think it's going to have to be something drastic done and it's going to have to be around the height of the tackle, which they've tried to lower, but I don't think they've gone far enough. I think we're going to have to get to the point where you're going to have to have a line drawn across the Kind of the chest. Area yeah, was there short, was really.
2: there was an American league that did that. Yeah, it was a really short-lived one. And about the only only good thing that it did was that every single kit had a line like nipple height, and it was marked on every single kit so that the referee could see it and go, now nah, it's too high." I think they tried I The thing in, is, like, uh, thing. sorry, I think
1: they tried that in like a uh, English Championship or like the Anglo Welsh, and it didn't didn't really work. Um, I, the thing is. No, sorry, you know I interrupted you. mate. Oh no, it was just like you know I, I was basically finished. <laughs> um, oh, I think yeah. what they said was uh, they ended up with more concussions, and what they found was that it's a lot wasn't tackle height; it was
0: tackle technique, it was the, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. The, yeah, that knee yeah. the, afters, it's the you sma- or,
0: It's 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 the because it's the concussions of the tackler where the tackler smashing into someone's knee because they've got the head on the wrong side or they've thrown yeah. themselves directly at the knee rather than to the side.
3: Yeah, but this is a, This is it. This is a situation that I'm probably more angry about, or grumpy. Or I wouldn't say I'm angry, but I'm grumpy about it. Is the fact that you've got Wayne Barnes there, who I thought made a very, very good decision. I think it was the semi-final where um, Don Brandt pushed Joe Marler into a into contact, and he reversed the penalty because or he didn't give a yellow card or a red card because it was, you know, his teammate was was forcing him forward and putting more momentum into him. I felt, you know, we should be cutting that out as well. But the bottom line is, head-to-head, con- where I was disappointed in Wayne Barnes is that there seems to be this shift of let's apologise to players um, for head-to-head contact and them send sending them off. And let's um, start and try and do everything they possibly can to bring it from a red down to a yellow or from a yellow down to a penalty. Now, the, now that's fair enough. I, do, I don't have a problem with if someone is dipping as in, as in they've slipped on the floor and someone has clashed heads accidentally, that's fine. But when you're looking at a tackle situation and it is against the, the laws, to, to be upright in a tackle and you get a head-on-head contact. I don't care if it's the bigger man's coming towards you or a littler man's coming towards you. It is a red card and you will cut that out because yeah. coaches are very, very smart and they will work around it. The problem is that I think that at the moment, it's not even just
2: players. I think it's they're being coached to do that. Like Charlie Ewell's one in the Six Nations was a good example where England had obviously identified... Ireland's ruck speed is something that they wanted to deal with and they were sending somebody in to choke the ball and slow mm-hmm. the ball down at every ruck and and yep. Charlie Ewell's got sent off in the first minute for doing it uh, and until coaches aren't using that as a tactic then people are going to there's going to keep being these collisions and they just have to start consistently saying if you have a collision like that you're getting sent off until coaches can't you can't use that as a tactic anymore they have to find another way to defend
0: well you could get rid of the choke tackle altogether because that's the that's part of the reason. People are targeting the ball rather than the rather than the man. And I suppose they are, it's you're trying to form a mall to then turn it into a scrum because the ball doesn't come out, aren't you? Or that the the referee calls mall so that the other team can't then collapse it. But actually if you just said you can only form a mall say say a line out where it's cause because it's Probably much more planned and safe to do so. You can't form if you tackle somebody, you have to go to ground. It would, I'm not saying it changes the dynamic of the game, it changes rugby as a sport a little bit, but it's the kind of things they're going to have to start looking at are more drastic measures to discourage players from targeting the ball.
1: I've always thought the main thing about the choke tackle is to try and stop the offload. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you see someone like Leon Nakarawa running at you, well, when he was at his peak not now, you know, you could probably barely run the length of himself Um the <laughs> but, you know, you can see the damage he can do, just get those big periscope arms up, because that was, I mean, I suppose that was a style of play that we hadn't been, see, we hadn't seen much in the, once rugby turned professional in the northern hemisphere and it all became grunt work essentially, we hadn't seen a lot of nice offloading for a while um, so that was brought into combat that, but I mean I remember, there was that one game where Mark Bennett literally got choked out in a choke tackle, and that shows the dangers of it. Um, I mean, the, the whole thing is just it's, it's a dangerous game, especially now that people are bigger. Uh, you know, we're talking about people hitting each other like cars, um, and even I think you know, you've been saying about football, right? They, fair enough, they were headering a, a much heavier ball, but what we have now is you've got guys hitting the ball a lot like like professional rugby you've got guys who are now proper professional athletes not smoking wood beans at halftime <laughs> uh, and they they are hitting the ball at like over 100 miles an hour you know a uh, David Beckham cross is probably going to come in at 65 mile an hour and you're going to stick your head on that and that's that's, that's going to hurt I mean I've had yeah. I've a few <clears throat> uh, balls in my time and sometimes you're like
2: Jesus that's a skull rattle yeah. um, 19 minutes
1: and 25 seconds oh cr- sorry I <laughs> sorry 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 everyone that's uh, alright F- it's alright 12A you're allowed one F-bomb and it was <laughs> in an aggressive manner so therefore by BBFC rules we're good um <laughs>
0: It was fine in the context of what he was saying, I think, is yeah. what BBFC yeah. would rule. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a <laughs> I
1: think
0: I think
3: the, the issue you have though is is that you know we're talking about um uh trying to prevent offloads and people are saying, Oh, it's just gonna be terrible because the defenses are gonna become porous because everyone's just gonna offload and we've got to stop the offload. No, we don't. You everyone will how oh, amazing would
0: rugby be if everyone was offloading all the time? Well, if you look at if
3: you look at, you know, and we can, but but we can still tackle against the offload. You can still you can still stop the offload. You can still hit hard, yeah. in the proper way. And, and, and the thing is, the, pe- you know? the the number of people who can successfully
2: execute a one handed offload or an offload off the deck or a cat flap offload or anything like that is significantly lower than the amount of people who think they can do it. Like. Just because we stop high tackles doesn't mean that everyone's going to be offloaded all the time because not everyone is Liori Nakarawa, do you know what I mean? Like, for every one of him, there's going to be some, like, northern hemisphere prop Johnny who knows. thinks they could do it and Can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, <laughs> the
0: defensive line comes up fast outside the tackler, then it kind of cuts off the offload option anyway because the only option you've got is to offload deep and hope they rush yeah. up too much and find a gap. But you can't, if you try and offload sideways, by the time you've been stopped, You've probably got a defender outside you anyway. So the you
3: can stop it. You also have to be aware though, and, and this is where this is where the difficulty comes in. Um, you then have if you don't sort this out at a professional level, you have um, amateur players and then junior players trying to do the same thing. And this is where this is where the difficulty comes in because we we may be sitting here saying, uh, you know, we are sitting here saying it's a shame for these professional players that are going through this awful awful time, and, and I really feel terrible for them and their families. Um, but that we're then not talking about the the amateurs that are going through similar things that don't get the don't get the clubs supporting them, don't get the 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 um, uh the 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 charities helping them out, etc., because they're not a known face, they're not a known you know, they're not known. And and if you look at, for example, choke tackles and high tackles targeting the ball, how can I, as a coach of of an under 18s group, say to them uh that we are, you know, which I actually do, we, we are tackling correctly, we're going for a low tackle, we want to put them on the floor. And they're saying, yeah, but coach, There, when they're playing against us, they're trying to choke us because they're trying to hit the ball. They're tackling us high because they're trying to hit the ball. Because you need to cut it out with the other coaches as well. You can't just have, you know, you can't just hope that um, amateur coaches are, uh, you're going to play on their moral standards because sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah. So you cut it out at a professional level.
0: Yeah. Martin Bell makes a good point on uh, our, our Patreon social media groups so we've got a choice here rather we get serious or the courts will not convince that some of the let the boys play community really understand the existential threat the sport is facing and I suppose that's it isn't it that at the moment rugby has a degree of choice in in what it does next I yeah. don't there's been a lot of small little niggly choices but they don't really feel feel like they've kept kept mm-hmm. up or been enough or significant enough to kind of deal with the threat and, and there is you know we we know there's a court case coming there's a class action coming against world rugby and a number of unions and clubs and if you know that uh, that may be successful and if so you know rugby can't cope with the you know can't cope with the settlement that NFL had to pay out
2: yeah that's the, like i watch a lot of nfl as well so i know fine well that the nfl can and did absorb a multi-billion dollar payout and rugby cannot do that like if if the lawsuit in rugby goes the same way as the nfl one did then rugby will no longer exist because there isn't three billion dollars around to pay off all these lawsuits there's just not so they they absolutely cannot let it get that far and so people who are saying oh but if we if we get serious on this and we stop all these tackles and we stop all this and we start dishing out red cards, then then we might see the end of rugby, right? Okay, well, if you don't and you find yourself getting <laughs> settled for $3 billion, you will see the end of rugby. There's no might about it. That's it. It yeah. cannot exist anymore.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think, wasn't there uh, evidence that, I was, I'm trying to Google it here while you were talking, Johnny. Um <laughs> uh, I think uh, the Aussie rules, um there was actually evidence that, well, They were suppressing medical evidence when they do it. Oh, yeah, we're looking into it. We're you know we're checking this out. We're taking the concussion very seriously because Aussie Rules is just it's basically rugby with kickboxing in it. It's (laughs) messy. And I saw a wee bit of uh, I saw the highlights of the state of origin uh the other day. And within five minutes you've got like three guys half injured. Yeah, high shots. One of them was actually like because they were so uh, I think they were on fourth phase, maybe, so they're trying to push him forward. They've ended up, they were so busy trying to clatter the guy who'd hurt the other guy, they've ended up kneeing their own player in the face. <laughs> I mean, it was just chaos. It just this... looks like
0: violent net. Whenever I've watched it, it looks like violent netball. I've no idea what's happening, but it's, <laughs> it's fascinating nonetheless. I violent
1: netball. I mean, someone said, oh, you should watch State of Origin, man. It, like, it's, you know, if you want to see rugby played like the hardest you've ever played it. And it was just really boring. I think it finished like 6 <laughs> 12. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's just people smashing into each other. This is just a demolition derby of Antipodeans. This is all this. Um,
0: I think there's been suggestion. well, there's definitely a suggestion that one of the exits of World Rugby have used has been done for plagiarizing his work.
2: Yeah, that was that was um, the AFL's guy. Yeah, was that the same yeah, AFL he's, guy. He's basically been completely used? discredited. Yeah, so that's that's
0: that's a that's a good indicator that we're not completely up the creek already. (laughs) And this is the thing: we might it might be too late already because the class action suits in the actions being taken. It's it might be too late at this point to kind of protect rugby. We'll just have to see how it goes. But unless it, I think it's there's there's a massive PR issue here as well because this is not. Back page news. This is, you know, front page of the Guardian. Rugby player has concussion. You don't get front page of the Guardian stories about, you know, how well a rugby match has gone, but you you do get articles about concussion, and you do get articles about uh, motor neuron disease, and that's what the pub. That you know, rugby is a minority sport in Scotland. It's a minority sport in the rest of the UK. Maybe not in Wales, but I think football is rapidly overtaking it. Maybe Ireland, maybe they've they've got their mad kind of variation of shinty or whatever they call it. Shinty like light. Hurling. Yeah. yeah. Um but it's it's a minority sport in world sports and what people see at the minute if you're in if you're thinking I might give rugby a go is <laughs> they've got massive, massive problems with head injuries and people getting concussed. So yeah. It's not good. And that
1: it's
3: Obviously. still a toy sport as well.
1: Yeah. People can pay for medical
3: treatment. <laughs> yeah, well, World Rugby have to, well, I know how toothless world Rugby are, but they, you know, rugby unions as a whole need to, in one foul swoop, need to sort this out quickly because they'll have a huge drop-off of player take-up. Um, yeah. and they'll, And forget about player take-up, they're going to have You know, as you just said, they're going to have um, multi-million-pound lawsuits coming their way, and there's no they've got no way of stopping it.
1: Ed Slater is 33 years old, and today he's had to stop his professional career because that's absolutely tragic, man. I mean, that guy Mm -hmm. got a few England caps. He's damn fine player, and he's 33, man. That's brutal. Yeah, and it's like we don't know if it's like Johnny said. I mean, it's. It's unlikely there's a link. It's not known if there's a link to playing rugby. But it's just one of the things again where brain injuries are occurring in rugby players. You know, Doddy and Fernando Ricks and all that, and Yusuf and Vessi's, and they've all gone recently, um, young men. Rob,
0: who, Bur- Rob Burrow, you look at Rob Burrow as well, mm-hmm. you know, Rugby yeah, League. Aye. I think MND's an issue, you know, being I don't you know, MND's been an issue with Rugby League players as well, so it's not, yeah, Stop we'll um,
1: we'll, we'll get Alan McDonald on. Yeah, Sorry. we'll have Alan on Alan <laughs>
0: again, and Alan can talk <laughs> us through through it. <laughs> think we'll though, I think we'll the thing that's the I'm not a neurosurgeon. What are you asked me, Alan, well, The thing is, though, Alan McDonald's a ger, you know in geriatric medicine, and it feels you know, but he knows all about this stuff because it's it's it should be something that hits people in later life, and not at 33.
1: Uh, yeah, because yeah. uh, the you know the, uh, the symptoms are early onset dementia, yeah. like. You know um, exactly, but then you can only check for it. Later,
0: first, he, exactly, he, and then you've got the CTE, later which later you on. can only check for when someone's died anyway. But it's all, it's all just, it's all deeply, deeply all right.
1: worrying. Elon it's, Musk, on you go. Find out how we can find CTE without having someone die first. You know, that's it.
0: That'd be more useful than putting <laughs> a car in space.
1: Pretending to buy Twitter,
0: he could buy this podcast. He could Elon. Even. Anyway, um, so the other thing we want to kind of talk about—I have no neat segue into this, by the way. I was—I was—I was, I was searching for one. I thought I don't think there's an appropriate one into what we're going to talk about next from head injuries. <laughs> um, the sevens. Now, there's been a big announcement this week that the um, and this is and it has happened in previous years, but this is much much more of a permanent change. Now is that Scotland. England and Wales are withdrawing from the World Rugby 7 Series and creating a joint Team GB squad. Now, previously what they would do is they would have, I think they would nominate England as the qualifying team for the Olympics. (coughs) And then the year before the Olympics, Team GB would play some European circuits and then start the Olympic in order to then be ready for the Olympics. What they're saying now is in order to align with the Olympics, we need to, we're having a team GB for the World Series and the Olympics. The individual unions will retain their own, will explore opportunities for their sevens programs and will maintain sevens programs for the Commonwealth Games. Obviously, for Scotland, it's a sl- of slight concern for two reasons. One, I think kind of, from a historic point of view you know we invented the sport and we you know to my mind have squandered numerous opportunities to kind of use that and use the power of that to our advantage but you know csru the second thing is it you know it, it's a development pathway and it always has been a development pathway within scotland and it's started to be a development pathway for Scotland women who have done been doing very well in the European circuit, presumably with a view to getting into the World Series and competing there. So I don't know where this leaves us, Craig, because presumably the European circuit's where we're going to be looking to kind of have the Scotland Sevens programme with a view to being prepared for the Commonwealth Games once every four years. But I don't know that the European circuit provides the same level of competition and opportunities that kind of playing in the World Series does.
3: I uh, It's baffling to me why the SRU have, have let this go so easily. Now, maybe they've had a long fight and they've been fighting about it, but it's, again, with the SRU, there's been no talk about it. There's been no you know, no press releases or anything like that. So there was only one press release, and that is that, that we're joining the GB7s, and that's the way it is. George Horn, Pete Horn. Um, Darcy Graham. Darcy Graham. Dougie Fife. Um,
1: Nick Greg, Kyle yeah
3: yeah, All uh, the 7s. G- uh, you know, Lisa, Lisa Thompson. Um, you know... The, we In have a,
1: even did a bit of sevens.
3: Yeah, it's a huge development. In fact, it's I would say the 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 sevens program within the SRU has been responsible for for bringing players on more than the academy system that ha, has just now.
1: Yeah, we'd even used it as our capture team. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And now, of a sudden, isn't he?
3: It's... So I, I think I think it's. I absolutely think it's it, it's you know it's it's a dire situation, and I think it needs to be sorted out as quick as we can because because there's no you know if you look at it the only way you, I can see what's going to happen it's going to, we're going to go along to the the Olympics they'll get to the Olympics and then they'll disband the team again, and you've got all these you know we've given up all these um, you know all these development. Systems within uh, the SRU sevens, we've we've laid off it a little bit because it's been looked after by GB sevens, and then all of a sudden they disband it and we're stuck again.
0: I think my worry is 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 it it becomes a lion's problem, Johnny. That we've seen with Team GB that you know Scottish players have traveled and played well. I mean, Mark Bennett got got a you know an Olympic silver medal. I think the last Olympics as well, they took a couple of Scottish players, and you know they were they were playing regularly but it it depends how the selection is gonna work because you could have a team GB with zero Scottish yeah. players in it because where are these players going to come from? Do you know what to mean they know yeah. there's no pathway now for them I guess.
2: No and and like the thing is that the the way that it's worded and the way that it's structured, it seems like Team GB Sevens is going to exist to make a competitive Olympic Sevens team for mm-hmm. the Olympic cycle, which means they've got no interest in developing anybody for any other reason. Which um, you know, like we said, for a team that uses Sevens for development as much as Scotland does, is is not great. And even out with on the pitch. If, you, if you've seen any of uh, Rona's TikTok when she's been away with the, the Women's Sevens of the European Tour, it's a really, really good tool for developing, you know, like we spoke about the guys who went to Argentina in the summer, for getting you used to being on tour and being in a team atmosphere when you're away on tour and because that is different to anything else. So even if it's not, an on pitch development thing. You're developing people in a team atmosphere and a tour atmosphere. And that's all just going to completely disappear because that's not what the GB Sevens are interested in at all.
0: Yeah. And the t- the coaching development as well has gone out the window because, you know, how many coaches have been through the Scotland Sevens set up and then gone on to do the under 20s, gone on to coach, you know, do coaching in Glasgow and Edinburgh?
1: Well, John D. Elders, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I Sorry, I, I forgot. Martin Bell. Did.
0: Martin Bell's quite right, and I, and I nearly mentioned this before. But Ross Ford has played international sevens. We cannot throw
2: that heritage <laughs> away. Do it, Ross for Ford. <laughs> Craig's going to have to watch all the sevens from a hundred yards away now.
3: <laughs> I can't. He's gone into hiding. I can't find him anywhere. <laughs> He's in the original but The thing outcomes, is that
0: right? the, the thing is though that this this isn't coming from the Olympics either. I think this is the frustrating thing. Is the you know Jim Mallanders quoted as saying once rugby sevens became an Olympic sport, there was an increasingly a requirement from World Rugby that Team GB, as the recognised Olympic entity, should also become part of the sevens landscape to align Olympic qualification through the HSBC World Sevens Series. Then you can't tell me that three three of the. Most powerful unions within world rugby because you know we get a you know apparently we cost Ireland the World Cup with our voting powers that we have yeah you know three of the most powerful unions in world rugby caved into pressure immediately went immediately held their hands up and went let's throw away 150 years of history and all the development pathways and everything and just I right, all right we'll go for Team BGB just just to have a run just to have a tilt at the Olympics every four years yeah.
2: And uh, do you know what? See, as like uh, petty as this might be on a personal level, I will find cheering for Team GB very difficult. Look, <laughs> I tell you what: there's, if if you want a strong argument for independence, there you go.
1: I yep. suppose you know what? <laughs> a, a union being done for a cash grab. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank you, Mark. Mark Bennett did get a silver medal.
1: He, does. he did. He's one of the he best did. players in the damn team. That solo mm-hmm. try score against he Jesus was London brilliant. The with a wee chip over the top, like, like I mean, the first time that Bennett really came to my attention was the twenty fourteen Commonwealth Games because like yeah. he had wee bits and bobs with Glasgow, like sub appearances. And then, that, he was he was better than Stuart Hawk. You know. I think this is the
0: thing that frustrates me is we've n- we've never done well with at the Sevens Rugby World Cup and the talk is we're going to keep a, a Sevens team. For qualification for the Rugby World Cup every four years, Sevens Rugby World Cup. But you know, if 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 up, you might get what two players that are going to be part of the Team GB set up when they throw us a couple of breadcrumbs, and then whoever's been on the European circuit, which is probably going to be a load of academy kids, you
1: might get some Super Six.
0: Well, exactly. That's it. I mean, although Scotland has got a history of just kind of like throwing a guy on into like a national setup who played Jedburgh Sevens the week before. That's not I that's was, not unheard um, of. Mark well, Robertson I think K- used to do that. Kyle Rule.
1: Rule. he mm-hmm. uh, he played sevens. Uh, yeah, I think i yeah, because he was getting a game.
3: I
0: think a couple of the, I, de- I I definitely know that a couple of a couple of the Melrose but I think Craig Jackson, likes from Melrose, have definitely been gone from playing like the Border Seven Series to then next week playing in a National Sevens Tournament because they were somebody but, short.
1: Um, yeah, the French was it Peter. Uh, so Rangi Yer lent- van- Yerassovitch, uh, is GHA, His brother Peter, he used to play there. Uh, one of the Becker staffs at Mar, he got called up to the sevens.
0: Didn't fakatawa start in the France sevens as well? I think he did. Yeah, that was a bell.
1: Oh, Nico and uh, Nico and Leone, they started. It. Yeah, Nico's
0: oh, coal- played the Melrose
1: sevens. Nico's won the Melrose sevens. N- <laughs> N- Nico, d- like he. I think it was the first time I'd ever heard him talk. Like even though he had been in Glasgow for a couple of years, like, wow, that's one high pitched voice. Ali
0: um, Price Ali Price won the Melrose Sevens with Saracens. Oh, did he? If you want if you Google it, it's there's uh, I think uh, Duncan Taylor played in the same team. He's got a proper busted haircut.
2: <laughs> well, I Taylor think was- I've seen that haircut
1: before, actually. <laughs> like another one, you mean? A busted haircut. Yeah. You both bust. Peelers yeah. uh, busted body.
0: <laughs> I think. um Yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt about it at the time. I went through a whole gamut of emotions. To that's a terrible idea. To mm, that might work back to, and I'm thinking back on this is an absolutely terrible idea. And the you have done nothing but do over the sevens for
1: it was World well rugby done as well first by taking it off taking Scotland off to, to well they, like it used to be around yeah. about my birthday and it's usually really crap weather around my birthday. And it's Scotland so they should make it like the last leg like, on the tour. But they don't and then they end up giving it to places like Hong Kong and Dubai and all these Well they places.
0: get the fact they gave it to Dubai I think is yeah. morally some, there's issues there anyway. So I mean, get, maybe like, we're better off out of it. <laughs> Leave them to the royal money. But yeah, I it, it all yeah. feels deeply unsatisfying. Can, I think yeah. it's it's supposed to be the fastest growing arm um, of the sport. Apparently, prior to COVID, it's probably the only thing that will survive the Armageddon that's coming from head injury lawsuits. Because you it's can't get here. Yeah, you you size
1: of a bubble. The yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Anyway, we've we've held off long enough talking about the Argentina tour, and we've got eighteen minutes left to the main pod to cover it. Um, do you want? We'll, we'll game. probably get into it more in the in the Patreon podcast, but we should probably just start with kind of like, what well, I'll, I'll start with you, Craig. Kind of what, what's been your kind of one of your big takeaways from from this tour? What what? Have, I think we got into the second game, and and I, we still weren't really sure whether we'd learned anything. And I wonder, are we still at a point where we just don't know what we've learned?
3: I have. I think the only thing we've really learned out of out of the situation is that, that Ewan Ashman's um bright start when he first came first cap um wasn't a fluke. Um and that um Mark Bennett has been sorely missed with his injuries, etc., because he could have probably have had a fair few more caps um for Scotland. I that's the I can only pick out individual things. I can't turn around mm. and say Right, well, Scott I know exactly which way Scotland are playing. I have no idea. You know, we. I'm worried about our lineout. Our lineout looks really ropey, um, and I don't know whether it's whether Tooney, I think the biggest take I have, I have to take from it is that Tooney has his own thoughts about where people should play, and. What style they should play, and it is completely different to everybody else within the rugby community. Yeah,
0: I think that's it. I think that's it's. I don't know that we've learned. It felt like the whole tour has been one big experiment, Johnny. And yeah, you know maybe that's okay this far out from a World Cup, and you know we don't have Finn Russell. We didn't have Stuart Hogg on this tour, although. You might come onto it in the Patreon podcast. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. There's a couple saying, oh, "Oh, if we'd had Stuart Hogg, it would have been better." It's like, no, he would have absolutely forced everything, and we'd necessarily have been in a better place. But I, you know, I suppose summer tour is a time to try new things. But I don't. Yeah, we've we've come away with the same problems, and I don't think we solved anything.
2: Yeah, I think I think one thing that I'm slightly happier about if I was picking something out, is that that our back row depth feels like the real deal this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is good because it's a position where there's always a lot of injuries. And the fact that that even at the moment, there's a couple of injuries, you know, Rory Darge didn't get into the second game. Jamie Ritchie's not there. And I think we still had a lot of quite decent options that would be a bright spot for me like I feel I feel like we've got a good number of really good high quality back rows Um, we didn't really try out a lot in other places and in fact you know we spoke about this after the first two games I think it was to the detriment of Blair Kinghorn that we we didn't try out earlier in the tour a game plan that would have suited him better like yeah. that's to me that, that would be the point in having him there. And the point in having him play three tests at ten is that you, you try a game plan that he could run. And we didn't until the third test. So Yeah. Well,
0: and I suppose you, yeah, that history. that third, that third test, you play a game where Blaine King Hollows able to break the line, shape the play a little bit more, do some off you know, offloads out the back door and and it all clicked because all of a sudden Scotland's back were playing more of a more of what what we would probably identify as an Embra kind of game plan
1: but that's even if you at 12. um yeah. <laughs> i mean this is one of the things uh you know, one of the reasons james lang said he came up to Edinburgh was so that he could play more at 12 because he was sick of getting shifted around um i think that was oh, actually what, there's one thing i've dm'd kev uh, kev miller just before we came on like I'm interested to find out what the stats are between like 9-10 combinations and 10-12 combinations you know your sort of midfield playmaking axis like who's got the more successful win rates sort of between say Greg and Finn, Finn and Johnson, Price and Finn, uh, Price and Hastings sort of thing Um, because that does seem to be It's where there's so much indecision. Like Johnny was saying, like the back row. It's I me. Mean, I thought Matt Fagerson was terrific on this tour. Uh, I think him and Xander. Um, Xander played very well. I mean, we've had some concerns about him, but he seemed to. Uh, I think the first test. I mean, let The first three halves of test match rugby we played were minging, <laughs> really bad stuff. Um, then seemed to galvanise. Uh, <laughs> I like think definitely nailed down the number one shirt. Uh, his scrummaging's improved. We know how good he is, this carrier. Um, playing it with Dodgy. Xander was excellent at three, like I said. Second row problem. Uh, yeah, I'd say second row combos and that that number 12 jersey. I think there's the, there's the two biggest problems. But the good takeaways were the back row, Doohan came back into it. Like, he got a lot of pelters after the first test for not working enough, but I reckon he was just told to stay on his wing. If you ask yeah. him to come in, he'll come in and he will carry hard. And his, uh, his finish off a nice uh, nice wee pop from Kinghorn for that first try. I don't think there's many wingers in the world that could have finished from where Doohan did. You know, yeah. Coming and in off having like that and carrying three men with him. You
2: know. Imagine getting to the end of that first test and going, oh, why is it not ble- Duhan van der Merwe looking for more carrying. Like all Duhan van der Merwe does is carry and drag four people with him. Like if he if he <laughs> wasn't coming to, if he wasn't coming in and doing the carrying in the first test, it's because he was explicitly told not to. You can't turn yeah. around and go, oh my god, I can't believe he wasn't coming in looking for
1: carries. Like yeah. or just because he's doing he three passes together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the other problems. Um, it, it, it's like like I think if you'd said to us at start Argentina, we know they're a good team. I think if you'd said to us at start of tour we'll narrowly lose 2-1. We'd be like, you know what, I'll take that. But seeing the position we were in, like, first test we were minging, second test got really good, second half was excellent. Third test, how have we lost that? And it's the same old pressure, really, isn't it? You know, that's, that's the most upsetting thing. Well, it's the most Scottish thing, so it's not upsetting because I'm absolutely used to it. But, you know, I love it. That's it. Like, if That's
2: we've true. learned anything, it's that we don't learn, basically. No, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, we learn from
3: this? No, you don't. Stop saying it. But, but there's, there's, there's the, uh, uh, you know, again, I'll, 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 go back to the whole thing of why did we take Ali Price?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Why did you know if we're resting the players that are the that have been lions, etc. now okay, fair enough, Hamish. We've talked about him just just getting the chance to, to to come out and be part and lead and, and be to be tried as a leader. Well, that's fine, but you know, Ali Price played that game. George Horn's sitting twiddling his thumbs on the bench. He could have he could have really brought out you know that he could have seen the game out with the, with acceleration and perform, And I just don't understand why name him on the bench if you're not going to use him.
0: This so is my big. This
1: is players opportunities,
3: and then well, this is
0: my them. um my big bugbear about the whole tour, and it's been that it's been a massive issue, I think, particularly in the last year with Gregor Townsend, is the way he uses his substitutes. We saw that with the Bam squad in the Six Nations that he has this. He's like a he's like a train conductor, right? He's got his schedule and he's sticking to it, right? He obviously starts every game and goes right at fifty minutes. Regardless of what's happening, I'm hooking the front row. And then, uh, you know, George isn't getting on no matter what happens unless someone goes down injured. So I'm just – no matter what's happening on the pitch, I've got my plan from for my substitutes and I'm sticking to it. Because that's what it looks like. It's like, oh, you know, I've got my schedule. I've got my game plan. It'll work. And I'm just going to – it's like, you know, in Championship Manager where you can go let the assistant manager take over <laughs> for the game – that's essentially the botany presses every I, single time. It feels like that's the
1: botany s- presses. I must say the seventy minute subs, man. Uh, depends what But uh, I mean, it's the Ben White. I mean, why? Yeah. Ben White played fifty minutes of absolutely fantastic rugby. He's one of the best players on the park, in a game that we won handsomely, and then he doesn't get a look in. And uh, like as well, like I, I tweeted about how, what's the point? This happens to George Horn quite a lot. He gets mm-hmm. put on. He's, he's a sub for a, a, an important test match, and then he doesn't see a minute of action. And it's you can see Ali Price. I mean, right, we might talk about his tweet later. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right now, fair enough. I don't think you, sh- you shouldn't abuse players. I certainly didn't. I just said he was a wee bit sketchy. It wasn't his best game. He had some good moments. He had some bad moments. I think that's a fair comment, but the man should not have been playing because he's played so much rugby this season. He, you know, he's he became a line starting nine completely against the odds. Uh, and and, and, I think the
0: frustrating think, thing is, you know, George Horn is a player though that can turn the momentum of a game, and the game swung towards yeah. Argentina, mm-hmm. and it was swinging towards Argentina, and Scotland still had the scoreboard in their favour, and it would just take sticking somebody like George for george horn on the pitch Thanks to george switch Hall, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff just to just to, just to switch the momentum back again you know, the Mo- fact more is, than you know, once
2: there's been a scotland game where we scotland have been 15 points down with 70 minutes gone and george horn comes on and we lose by three points yeah so it's like if and he's capable of doing that and he does it all the time so so give him 25 minutes or half an hour instead of 10
0: Xander played the full 80 as well yeah, I
1: think it's just, so. Oh, did Skuman play as well? Schoeman played a fair back. Oh or, or did he come back?
0: No,
3: Sus, Sus came on. Sus came on at about sixty-five. I think
0: sixty-five. So you, Ashman went. Oh, I thought because he replaced Susan. Do you replaced um, the two two-thirds of the front row at the same time? I didn't realize Ashman was. I'd smashed it, I'd broken his nose and smashed the cheekbone,
1: apparently. 30 seconds, within 30 seconds. Within
0: 30 seconds, did <laughs> yeah, he? Yeah, apparently. still scored 30. a try. Yeah. Two? Um, no, two tries, yeah. But I think that's the, like, you know, it's, you know, for all we've talked about, Javan jo- Sebastian on this podcast, like, you know, stick him on because he carried, you know, he carried fight, he was playing, like, as you said, Craig. He did okay. yeah. And, you know, expecting some Xander Ferguson played fine, but the fact the last play of the, you know, that Argentina got the last try off a scrum and we were going backwards fast in that scrum. And what you can't get away from is that Xander's in that scrum and he's played 80 minutes. And now I'm not saying that will you win that scrum with Javan Sebastian in there, but he's a fresher pair of legs than Xander Ferguson is.
3: I I I honestly don't understand the not using not using uh why name why put these guys on the bench? They're international quality because you've chosen them to go on an international tour, you use them. And and you know, even to the point of um we talked about uh it you know, potentially being an experimental tour. Sending the guys home that he sent home was crazy. And and so, I, I as I say, I, I just think there were there was three or four guys there that were tired and didn't really need to be there. And Xander was one of them, although he played incredibly well uh, in the third test, he didn't need to be there. Yeah, you know,
0: we've got a reasonable question here from Billy, which is Townsend's trying to find a magic formula that doesn't exist. Also, I don't get the focus on a tournament that's every four years, where there's an annual one to try and win first.
2: I don't think that that's Townsend's fault or Scotland's fault. To be perfectly honest, and I get that, like I understand that that focusing for focusing on the Six Nations for Scotland would be a really good idea, but we've kind of been carried on by the wave where every team in the world goes through a four-year World Cup cycle, and all the press talks about a four-year World Cup cycle, and the All Blacks hire and fire their coaches at certain points of a four-year World Cup cycle. Because and everyone does it, and it's one of these things like everyone does it, and I think that's a really good point. If I would like Scotland, could focus on the Six Nations, and less on the World Cup, but I think that the way the tide flows is that everybody focuses on the World Cup cycle, and then we just do it.
0: Yeah, and because and I think the danger is because of the World Cup cycle that after this summer. Which, which we can write off as an experiment, although it didn't feel like there was much experimentation going on. If after, if we have a ba- now have a bad autumn and a bad Six Nations, we're still stuck with the same coach going into the World Cup because of World Cup cycles.
1: Hey man, it's I think kind of
0: we- too late to turn the bus around.
1: I kind of like what John was saying, right? I mean, this all focuses on four-year World Cup cycles. So if you think of it, I mean, club coaches don't do it, do you? You think maybe, all right, maybe you've... It depends how good you are or how bad you are, you know? Maybe if you're a diddy team, you think, right, five-year plan, I'll let you go from being towards the bottom of the league to pushing for European qualification. You know, but, um, I mean, with the the player turnarounds in rugby because of injuries and what have you, I mean, really, you should be... I think you should be smoking maybe not annually but every two years sort of like we're going here's my core 23 here's a secondary one um and then sort of yeah don't i mean get your style of play base first don't base it on what's going to happen four years time be focusing on your team how you want to do things and all that right because uh belgium after they made this is football talk. You know I like my football. Um, but I actually found this really fascinating. Um, they did really well in the 1994 World Cup. I think they got to the semis or quarterfinals. Yeah, I think they did, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then they went on a real down path. Like They were terrible for years. It was like Scotland like <laughs> at rugby. Um, but then they, they had this like, total mindset change. What they said was we changed the coaching structure from bottom to front. started by uh, it was, they had like an academy and they said right the, the football station has an academy and then they loan players out to each club and said right who's lined with who you're and like guy right cool but we're all going to play this one style of football and they spread that through the clubs through the youth systems and now Belgium who let's be honest are population size and like historically are not great at football they now have a bunch of world class players and they have done for the last 5-10 years I Kevin Bro Hazard, Vincent Company, people
0: Sc- that. Scotland have done that through club rugby. You know, there, there is the Scotland way of playing that, that's spread out through yeah. the clubs. I think that the problem for me is I think and you touched upon it there, Ian, a little bit, is you know you look at Wales and you look at England and even maybe France and Ireland a little bit, but they've they've got more of a core of regular players than Scotland do. I think Gregor Townsend tinkers far too much. I don't think Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Jones probably think is enough, but the, there is, we don't, I don't really, I couldn't tell you who Scotland's core squad is. And I don't think, they, I get the impression sometimes that Gregor Townsend doesn't know who Scotland's core squad is. Because sometimes he will just throw in Kyle Stain on the wing just for a laugh, it seems, when he's got everybody available. You know, you could, we could name our best, what we think the best Scotland 15 is, but, but sometimes Gregor Townsend just throw someone in Change one things the, around for the sake of it.
1: One of the strangest tweets I saw recently was somebody saying uh I think when Cummings get picked Oh yeah, oh he doesn't play that often for Scotland, you know, it's weird to throw him in when it's got Gilchrist and Grey or Skinner. I was like Did did you not read the stat that Scott Cummings had started nineteen tests in a row and it was <laughs> the longest that any player had <laughs> ever started? Um
0: I know part yeah, of that's I, mean, I, said, I know like, part of that's, I know I know part of its injury but I just don't feel like we've got a core squad in I, and and that means you don't then have the it's you, we need a good spot you need a good spine of a
1: team so that's what, that's what I was asking Kevin like I want to find out is a 9 10 combo more important than a 10 12 combo if that makes any kind of sense or like, you know that sort of yeah first second receiver Real playmaker axis. Which one is the most successful Scotland, uh, or which one is style-wise has worked best? Because
3: I, I have to say that it's uh, you know for me, and and I'll probably have a chorus of backs shouting at me, but I don't I don't see the nine ten combo as 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 important as, as important as the 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 ten twelve because the ten twelve decides where the where the ball's going out, whether it's it, you know. It's...
1: I was thinking nine's job is just basically well, shovel it out, you know, whether that's to a pod or to uh, first receiver as a playmaker. You no, know, th- their their game is all about accuracy. It doesn't really you, it's a you, nine ten you have that communication. Run thing? On all sort of more?
3: Well you have that communication thing of, of, of your eight, nine, ten. And if the ten's running the game, then your nine and your eight are communicating between the th- between you know, your nine is your is your your your, your, your conduit um for for what the tens planning and 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 he can speed up the he can he or she can speed up the the, the ruck speed they can speed up the mall they can speed up the bits and pieces if they need to the problem i have is uh, you know it was it was perfectly obvious to to everybody out there whether it was a negative or a positive but blair kinghorn was playing an edinburgh style of what he's been playing all year and Tooney was trying to harness him a different way. And unfortunately, the the 12 that was outside him was playing a Scotland way. And mm. and whether it's plus or minus to, to Blair Kinghorn, he was playing an Edinburgh way, which for the first couple of tests, all of a sudden, when Tooney kind of seemed to realise it and started to change it a little bit, all of a sudden Blair Kinghorn was performing well. So it's it's really difficult. That that I just believe that, that 10 12 is a is a I think you're about think it week, also
0: yeah. it, it also depends, I think, on how your ten <clears throat> runs the game. Cause and and this is I think you know, we, we know there's that Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend have a difficult relationship. I think that as much as in the press it's improved, you know, the fact he went on the lash after the Italy game would suggest that it's not, you know, the respect isn't entirely two-way. Mm. But if you watch Finn Russell play, you know, as a 10 he he never stops talking and pointing, and he will tell Ali Price or whoever's at nine when he wants the ball. He will tell them how many times he wants them to take it, the forwards to take it into contact before he's ready for it to do whatever he wants to do. And this isn't a criticism of Blacking on, but Blacking on doesn't seem to be doing that. Now, that could be a developmental thing. It could be a confidence thing that I'm gonna. I don't care what my my coach tells me I'm going to do that. I can see an opportunity here and I'm going to marshal everybody around. But I'm not the problem Scotland have, I think, is when Finn Russell and to an extent Stuart Hogg aren't there. I don't know who's the person that's, that's walking around the pitch constantly talking and pointing. And you need that guy. You need someone walking around the pitch pointing and telling everybody where to go and directing the play. And I know,
2: think that's why Ali Price was on this tour. Because mm. I think he's as close to that as we've got without federal. You here. can't.
0: I. I think I'm not. I'm not a scrum half, but I don't think it's as easy to do that at nine. Because I think at ten and fifteen, you can see the wider pitch.
1: I think at nine, though, like, have you ever heard Craig Laidlaw on the ref, mic? Because you can hear him when was away. Yes, <Yeah. laughs> he's he was a proper general. Um, so yeah, he was I, a
0: general, but I think but I think a lot of the time for but but what a nine you can have the kind of idea of the liberty General kind of barking orders and, and looking both ways, but a lot of the time as a nine you're staring at a forwards arse and then looking behind <laughs> you to see who wants the ball. That you know that's it. Whereas at, at ten you, you've got that vision, you're standing a little bit further the back, you can see a bit more of how the opposition are lining up. And I I don't think in the, the heat of a game a nine's I think the I, ideal place to, to direct play from.
3: Where where I think the, 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 the big the big difference between the two is Finn Russell will change his game plan and, and will will work it away. I think Blair Kinghorn is more of a younger player and he does as he's told. So he's playing mm-hmm. the he's playing what he's told to play and, and then when things are going wrong, right, we'll we double down and we play what I'm told to play, whereas Finn Russell? And that's where Finn Russell's the more more creative um, yeah. of the two.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, as a final word, I think that's that's something that Black King-Hong can do. I think, you know, in a way it's a shame, you know, although, you know, obviously Finn needed the rest, but it's a shame Finn Russell wasn't on the tour because I know, you know Adam Hastings has talked about a lot of, you know, he's learned that a lot from Finn Russell. I think it's something that mm. Russell could teach king Hon to do. If On can kind of add that to his game, then to a certain extent, the sky's the limit. If Scotland will, if Townsend will finally accept that he needs to find a different way for Scotland to play. Mm. Anyway, look, we're a minute, we're we're an hour and six minutes now into the podcast, so this is probably as good a point as any to leave it for the main podcast. We'll say thank you very much to everybody uh, for listening. I will say that for the main podcast, that's probably it for the summer. Patreon podcast will continue through the summer. Um, so if you want to continue in the podcast, pay 3 pound a month. We'll do little specials. We'll have random chit-chat. We'll find things to talk about over the summer. Um, as we get into pre-season, we'll start the main podcast up again. Um, but for the meantime, everybody, have a wonderful summer. Patrons, we'll, we'll we'll still be here for you, don't worry. But for everybody else, have a wonderful summer, and we will see you when the season starts again. It's goodbye for me and goodbye for me. Ian, Johnny, and
1: Craig. you cheerio.